0: Hallelujah. Come on, why don't we give God some praise this afternoon? Come on, you can do better than that. If you're excited to be in the house of God, you ought to just look at the person next to you and say, neighbor, I got a feeling that this service is going to be the best service. Come on, somebody. If you believe it, give God some praise. I tell you, it is... Certainly a privilege and a distinctive honor to be back uh, at People's Church. Uh, Pastor Herbert took the words out of my mouth. You know introductions are for guests, not for family. And I've adopted myself into the People's Church family. Y'all are stuck with me, so it's good, good to be home today. And uh, man, God has been doing awesome things in all the services. But there's just something about the 12:30 service or whatever. What time is this today? <laughs> I don't even know. I was telling the earlier services, my wife and I, we were just in uh, Israel and uh, just got back and uh, so I'm just trying to turn my jet lag into jet swag and wake up a little bit this morning. But love this church. Amazing to see all the phenomenal things God is doing and continues to do with the third location opening up I hope you know how crazy, ridiculous, blessed you are to be a part of people's church Amen And to have two of the greatest pastors on the planet Come on, can we thank God for Pastor Herbert and for Pastor Tiffany Oh, come on, you can do better than that Let's let them know how much we love them Amen Just cherish their friendship so much And uh, we're going to have a good time Do you have a Bible with you? I'm, I'm eager to jump straight into the word. If you got a Bible, why don't you wave it in the air like you just do care? Awesome. Some of your Bibles are glowing. That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> I Took very serious uh, The uh, series you guys are in which is next level anybody want to go to the next level in life And uh, man, I just believe that I heard so clearly from God uh, the message uh, That I'm gonna share that's gonna help us go to the next level. If we're gonna be in the book of Genesis today uh, Genesis chapter 1 uh, verse number 14 uh, My wife sends her love she's here as well as my father and my mother though they'll be in the last experience uh, My wife actually woke up feeling good uh, this morning, which is a, a huge blessing because for whatever reason like the last two weeks She's been waking up with morning sickness uh, She's been feeling all nauseous and everything because uh, come on somebody we're having our first child on October 7th so uh, man i am beyond excited uh, don't know how it happened but uh no i'm playing i do come on you can't preach all the time so uh <laughs> we're excited about that and our family and this is gonna be good uh, genesis chapter one you ready when you got to say yeah yeah if you're still looking for it say hold up. hold up all right i want you to find it even though it's genesis come on now <laughs> I'm playing the first book of the Bible it's all good Genesis 1 verse 14 says Then God said let lights appear in the sky To separate the day from the night And let them be signs to mark the seasons Days and years One more time it says then God said Let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night And let them be signs to mark the seasons Days and years. Can you say amen? Amen. I want to preach uh, this afternoon. Not long only about three and a half hours Uh, Just using as a subject the formula for next level living The formula for next level living there is a formula when when I was in school um, Math was not my strong suit. Uh, I was good at English and lunch. Those were the two subjects (laughs) that I excelled in, but uh, I did love in math whenever there would be a formula, a formula like you know, A squared plus B squared equals C squared. I knew that. And I loved it because if the formula was right, the formula was right, no matter what numbers you put in the formula, as long as the formula was right, you would get the right outcome. I wonder how you would react this afternoon if I told you there is a formula that would guarantee that the rest of your life would be the best of your life. There is a formula that would guarantee that you would live your life on the next level and on the next dimension of what God has for you. How would you react today? Twelve of you are excited about it. I love it. (laughs) I want to talk about that formula today. Uh, Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we go into God's word? Father, I thank you for the power that is in your word. God, I thank you for your presence I sense in this place even right now. God, I thank you that we didn't come to church today to get beat up. God, we came to get built up. So, God, let us leave here stronger, wiser, uh, more passionate about where you're taking us to, God. We give you permission to do whatever you want to do in this house today. God, anoint every word, every syllable, every phrase that will come out of my mouth, God. Let the transformational truth of your word change us. And God, I'll give, be careful to give you and you alone all of the glory. And somebody loves Jesus. Say amen say amen again. People's Church, in the not too distant past, I received an invitation to preach at a particular event. In the moment I received the invitation, my heart was filled with fear. I got a little bit nervous, had some trembling trepidation, because I knew that to accept this invitation, I would be preaching to the most difficult group of people to preach to. To preach to this particular group of people, you really have to be covered in prayer. To preach to this particular group of people, you need to be full of the power of the Holy Spirit. To preach to this particular group of people, you need the help of God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Mary, Joseph, the angels, all of the wise men. (laughs) The particular group of people I'm talking about, they're not felons who escaped from prison, uh, nor is it to preach to junior hires who've had too much Red Bull, that's easy. I was actually invited to preach to a group of preachers. (laughs) And believe it or not, it's sometimes difficult to preach to preachers. Don't ask me how I know. And then to add insult to injury, they actually gave me my topic to preach on, and they wanted me to speak on the art of effective communication. So now not only am I preaching to preachers, but I'm now faced with the daunting task of effectively communicating to communicators how one can communicate more effectively. (laughs) So I, I began to share with them the 10 commandments of effective communication. I didn't get them from a mountaintop, just from my mind. The 10 commandments of effective communication. There were commandments like thou shalt know your audience. Uh, commandments like uh, thou shalt steal. I told them it's all right for you to steal or take an idea or a thought, but don't just take it, take it to another level. Uh, I, had this, I didn't have to spend a lot of time on that commandment. They had that one down. <laughs> but the commandment I did spend a majority of my time on is the commandment that says, Thou shalt know the power of intro. Thou shalt know the power of intro. I begin to articulate to them that perhaps the most important part of your message is the first five to eight minutes of your message because it's in the first five to eight minutes of your message that your audience is deciding whether they're going to lean in and listen to you or whether they're going to lean back, pull out their phone, and check their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter while you preach it. <laughs> so I begin to tell them that how you begin something matters. How you begin something, it is critical. I'm an avid TV and movie watcher, and I found out that even cinema has found the power of how you begin something matters. How many know there used to be a time in the history of TV and movie where they would start off the movie or the show just by rolling the credits? It would just start by rolling the credits. How do know, you'd be hard pressed to find a TV show or a movie that starts that way now because they know how you begin something, it matters. Now they start off with action. They start off with explosions right at the beginning. That's why one of my favorite shows is CSI. <laughs> Come on, somebody, that's my jam. Crime Scene Investigation because it just starts off, just dun-dun, dead body missing shoes. <laughs> This is how it starts, and and for the whole 30 minutes, I am leaning in intensely trying to figure out who killed that brother and what did they do with his shoes because they understand that how you begin something matters. It is critical. Uh, Even social scientists will tell you this. They will tell you this. They have a theory uh, called ERP, ERP, Estimated Relationship Potential, and what that theory postulates is whenever you meet an individual, within the first five to eight minutes of meeting that person for the first time, You are already formulating in your mind whether that relationship is going to be of any value or of any significance to you at all within the first five to eight minutes of meeting them. That's why I often say if you are single, it would behoove you to smile at every single person you meet. Come on, I'm just saying, you don't know if they could be God's will for your life. You just you better smile because how you begin something matters. And ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, I'm finding that this commandment of how you begin something matters is not just a commandment for communication, How many know it is a commandment for life in life how you begin something matters how you begin your day It matters it is critical. That's why you started off your day Right by coming into the house of God giving him glory and honor and praise Oh, please don't take it lightly how you begin your day matters what you do at the first part of your job It is critical. Do you realize people decide whether they're gonna come to a church? Not necessarily just because of the worship team or the pontificating of the gospel, but in the parking lot right at the beginning how you begin something matters you know we say cute things in culture like it doesn't matter how you start it matters how you finish I disagree who said that I think it matters how you start and it matters how you finish I realize we say that sometimes to uh, encourage people whose environment did not uh, grow up to an environment that was conducive to success but I believe it is critical how you begin something and how you end something Uh, dr. King said it like this he said he who starts off behind in a race must either run faster or forever remain behind. In essence, sometimes it is the power and the fortitude with which you commence something that can give you the tenacity to conclude it. Beginnings are critical. And this is what I love about our God. God understands that how you begin something matters. The greatest preacher who is our God, he starts off the entire book of the Bible with the greatest introduction that says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is an amazing introduction. That is a phenomenal introduction. That introduction makes my right toe tingle. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Please don't let the shortness of that verse uh, rob you of the profundity that is hidden within it. Understand that that statement uh, is not so much a scientific description as much as it is a theological affirmation. Uh, See, whenever you read a particular passage of scripture, uh, you have to read it with what scholars call literary intentionality. That is, what did that author have in mind whenever that author wrote that particular passage of scripture? And you must understand, the book of Genesis was not given to us uh, so that we could debate the evolutionist, or so that we could debate the Darwinist. Nor was Genesis given to us so that science could one day confirm what the word of God has said about creation. Because the reality is, God does not need anybody to confirm him. Come on, he is God all by himself, and beside him there is no other. Nobody voted him in. Nobody can vote him out. He doesn't have an inferiority complex. He knows exactly who he is. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God is not sitting like somebody in a basement on a computer waiting for somebody to confirm his friend request. He knows who he is. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. Omnipotent, omniscient, omnipotent knowing, all oh, seeing, powerful God. I feel like preaching it here today. In the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. Understand that that verse is all you need for theology. In one verse, right there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's all you need for theology. In the beginning, God. Well, that annihilates atheism because it said there's always been a God, there always be a God, and there always was a God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created. Well, that repudiates pantheism because any God that created something must be separate and distinct from the thing he created. So that means I can't worship a whale, I can't worship a tree, I can't worship a person. They're cute, but they're just a creation. And even the creation is giving glory and honor and praise back to the creator. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the heavens and the earth. That gives me the parameters of how I'm to live my life, the heavens and the earth. I cannot be so earthly minded and so materialistic and to think that the sum total of my life is what happens here on earth, because the reality is, as a believer, this is not my home. Come on, somebody. You know if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, this earth is not your home. You're on vacation down here. The Bible says you're a stranger. You're an alien. That's why your neighbor looks the way they look. They're an alien. Uh, This is not their home. Heaven is your real home. But by the same token, I am not just looking up to heaven waiting for God to rescue me from planet earth because the thing that makes me a believer, the thing that makes us the church is to know that we've been called to bring heaven down to earth and to change every environment We step in and to be light in the midst of darkness In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth The Bible says the earth was without form and void And darkness covered the face of the deep When the Bible talks about darkness, it's a metaphor for chaos And This powerful God looks over the chaos and he says "Hmm. Okay guys, here's what we are going to do I love god because god is the only person that can stand by himself in himself of himself and say hey guys here's what we are going to do only god can do that because you understand your god is three in one he is triune in nature god the father god the son the holy spirit three in one it's a mystery he's three in one so only god can stand by himself and say hey guys here's what we are going to do only god if we catch you in a room by yourself, saying, hey guys, here's what we are going to do. We're going to call the popo and a clinical psychologist, but your God is so awesome. He's got sovereign swag that he can just stand by himself and say, here's what we are going to do. And he looks over the darkness. He looks over the chaos, if you will, and says, hmm, if this is ever going to go to the next level, if something new is ever going to manifest, the first thing I must do is bring order to the chaos that is around me. If there's ever going to be something new to manifest, I must first bring order to the chaos that I am encompassed by. And hear me, isn't that what all of us want to do with our lives? I mean come on we want to bring order to the chaos that is around us I don't care how spiritual you are in here today you could have floated in here and had manna for breakfast but if you're honest there's something on the inside of you that wants to bring order to the chaos that is around you come on that's why we come to the house of God we realize that we've got to bring order to the chaos that is in our life as a matter of fact I argue that even if you don't attest to the fact that there is a God there is something on the inside of you that innately knows you got to bring order Order to the chaos that is around you. Come on, can we be real? Have you ever looked at a specific area of your life and said, you know what? Order has got to come to this chaos. Have you ever looked at your marriage and said, you know what? Order has got to come to this chaos. Have you ever looked at your relationships and said, order has got to come to this chaos? Have you ever looked at your kids? and said, order has got to come to this chaos. Have you ever looked at your the back seat of your car and said, order has got to come to this chaos? I'm gonna keep saying stuff till one of them hits you. Have you ever looked at your hairline or your waistline and said, order, order, order has got to come to this chaos? Have you ever looked at your finances and seen that your money is funny and your change is strange and you got more bills than you got income and said, order has got to come? to this chaos here's the problem we know that order has to come to the chaos and every year we say oh you know what this is my year I'm gonna get it together I'm telling you this is the year I know I said it last year but this year for real I'm gonna get it together I've got a spreadsheet i made my this is the year I'm gonna get it together we say that every year I mean, come on, every year we make these declarations that we're going to get the chaos together. How's that working for you? Every year we make these bold declarations Especially church people, I love us, I've been raised in church Because we always make the great declarations Especially at the beginning of the year And have you noticed it always has to rhyme It's not spiritual unless your declaration rhymes I've noticed that in church So in 2002, God was going to do it for you And uh, in 2003 You were going to get the victory In 2004, God was going to give you more In 2005, you were coming alive In 2006, you were going to get it fixed In 2007, it was the year Of open heaven, in 2008 God was gonna make it great in 2009 God was gonna make it fine in 2010 you were determined to win in 2011 you were gonna get the open heaven you were supposed to get in 2007 (laughs) oh you got all kinds of realms and all kinds of resolutions but how is that resolution working we're in the third month of the year I love one writer he said resolutions are something that go in one year and out the other Because do you know what most of our resolutions and our resolve and our bold declarations to get it together, do you know what most of them are predicated upon? Willpower. Willpower most of our dedications to getting it together. It's predicated upon willpower. Er, I can do it Er, I can get it together. Er, I got fortitude. Er, I can make it happen I got stick-to-itiveness and I can make it happen I can pull myself up by my own bootstraps. and we think we can make a change in our life and go to the next level with Willpower, but can I tell you willpower is not real power There's no problem in your will. Come on, it's your will that got you in trouble in the first place. Our will is the problem. So God says, if you want another year of low-level living instead of next-level living, if you want another year of broken promises and broken resolutions, then you keep relying on willpower. But if you ever want to see the darkness in your life dissipate, if you ever want to see the light of God's glory shine in your life, if you want him to manifest something new in your life and do exceedingly abundantly above all that you may ask or think, you got to use the same thing that was used in the book of Genesis. And God did not create the world with willpower. He created the world with word power. The power isn't in your will, the power is in the word of God. Ooh, that was a good place to shout right there. <laughs> power is not in your will, the power is in His word. I love the book of Genesis because God is showing us that to come under His word is to go from chaos to cosmos that his word is so powerful. It is a life-changing agent that can transform your reality. That is the power that is in the word of God. If you wanna go to the next level, you have to come under his word. Are you bored yet? Okay, I I I love that word created in Genesis, because that word created is a critical word because it's only used of God. And that word in its original language is ex nihilio. And And what it means is to create something out of nothing. It is only used of God because God is the only person who can create something out of nothing. You understand that there is a vast difference between creating and making. You and I, we make, but God creates. If you were to tell me, Robert, uh, go make a fire uh, after this service, I'd be like, cool, I'm gonna gather some wood together, I'm gonna get some matches. I'll probably get some gasoline just to make it interesting. And uh, (laughs) once I've gotten the wood, once i got the matches and the gasoline, I'm going to light it. And then (sighs) once the flame goes in the air, because I saw Castaway with Tom Hanks, I'm going to beat my chest. And I'm going to say, I have made fire. And I would be right. I made fire. I didn't create it. Because if I didn't have the wood, if I didn't have the matches, if I didn't have the gasoline, I would be void and unable to create the fire. Here's what I love about God. He does not make, he creates. That means your God could be in Alaska inside of an igloo with a ceiling fan and air conditioning and simply declare, let there be fire. And out of nothing and from nowhere, fire will show up because your God can create something out of nothing. Okay. You just missed your opportunity to go crazy, okay? You just missed your opportunity to shout until the walls came down. You just missed your opportunity to do cartwheels up and down people's church, you know why? Because I just told you, God is the only person that can create something out of nothing. He's the only one, and some of you have been complaining. I heard you, I heard you all the way in Dallas, Texas. I heard you, you've been complaining, saying, Lord, seems like nothing is happening in my life this year. Lord, seems like nothing is happening with that business I've been believing for you to bless. Lord, seems like nothing is happening with that child I've been praying for. Lord, seems like nothing is happening with that miracle and that healing I've been believing you for. How many know when nothing is happening, that ain't the time for you to complain or get discouraged. That's time for you to get your praise on because God says in the atmosphere of nothing, my word can show up and I can create something out of nothing. Woo! Somebody who caught that ought to give God some praise. You ought to thank him that nothing is happening. You ought to thank him that nothing has showed up yet because God can create something Woo. out of nothing. Oh, hear me today. Please do not allow the validity of God's word to be doubted in your, to doubt it in your life just because nothing is happening. God says on a canvas of nothing, I'll paint a picture of something and in a moment my word can break through and something will come out of nothing. You know it's interesting that we serve a God that can create something out of nothing. Yet so many of us, I don't know if it's because we watch movies and Disney and fairy tales we think that the situation has to get better and better for God's word to come to pass. I think the situation has to progressively get better and better and then boom his word will come to pass. How many know the situation doesn't have to get better? It can get worse. But if God said it, it must come to pass. <laughs> okay, you, you don't believe me. You remember, you remember John you remember John chapter 11? Remember John chapter 11? There was a family uh, that lived in Bethany. I was, I was just there. I told you I was in Israel. Family that lived in Bethany. Um, and, and there was Mary and Martha, and they had a brother named Lazarus. And uh, this is where Jesus would go just to hang out and chillax whenever he was tired. He would go to their house. And uh, all of a sudden, Lazarus just gets sick out of the blue, just starts coughing. <laughs> I got the black lung, just starts coughing. And, uh, and Mary and Martha, they don't know what to do because the situation keeps getting worse and worse. And then Martha has a little bit of poise, but Mary is having a panic attack. She's like, what are we gonna do? Martha's not getting better, it's getting worse. What are we gonna do? I can't believe it. And Martha's like, girl, stop that crying. Stop that crying right now, okay, girl? When Jesus comes into town, whose house does he stay at? Girl, that means this whole house is covered in the presence of the Lord. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Do not stress. Do not worry. As a matter of fact, give my cell phone. Give it to me. Give my phone. Give my cell phone. Give it to me. Give my phone. Takes a cell phone. Sends a text message to Jesus. You know the story. Says, Jesus, the one you love is sick. do not even say his name. Says, the one you love. He knows who I'm talking about. we in his favorites list. The one you love is sick. you Jesus. Do what you do sin Jesus he's on the other side of town preaching the gospel all of a sudden cell phone text message noise goes off ding ding Jesus like what i tell you about cell phones while I'm preaching the disciples are like Jesus that's you he's like oh my bad pulls out his cell phone sees the text message from Martha says the one you love is sick you Jesus do what you do he immediately responds says do not worry this cyclone this sickness predictive text this sickness will not end in death sends it all the way back to Martha Martha gets the text message oh girl look who just texted me look look at Jesus said this sickness will not end in death I told you he's an on time God yes he is I mean they start having church some of y'all are like, I have never read that version before in my life. Let me help you, that's the NIV, Negro International version, okay? I'm just trying to help you. <laughs> so they start dancing, they start shouting, they give each other high fives. Watch this, right after they finish dancing, Lazarus died. <laughs> I love it. And Jesus has the nerve and the audacity to not even show up to the funeral or the graveside service. He walks in four days late. Talking about, hey, how's everybody doing? Y'all good? <laughs> they were like, no, he didn't. Said, Jesus, I will cut you. Oh, they were so mad. They said, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. He was so mad, so disappointed. Some of you are laughing, which is cool, but if you could be honest, you're in that exact place right now. You are holding on to a word, holding on to a text message, but you're looking at a dead situation. You feel like giving up. You feel like throwing in the towel. But you gotta get the revelation that Mary and Martha got, and that is, if God said it. Come on, somebody if God said it. It has to come to pass. He said it would not end in death. And he goes straight past their tears and goes to a graveyard and preaches a three-point sermon and says, Lazarus, come forth. And a dead man came out of the grave. Watch this. He had to be specific with his word because his word is so powerful, you know. If he would have just gone to a grave and said, come forth, every dead person in there would have been like, hold on. He talking about me. And it would have been another thriller video But his word is so powerful. He said, Let me be specific and say, Lazarus, come forth. The dead man came out of the grave because God can create something out of nothing. Don't give up or doubt the veracity of his word just because nothing is happening. Because if he said it, that settles it. It has to come to pass. Has to. Go all right okay all that was my introduction (laughs) Uh, for real I wish I was lying Um, all all that was my introduction uh, just to bring you to this place right here just to bring you to this place right here Genesis uh, chapter 1 I'm gonna look at verses 3 through 5 because watch this I want to show you uh, in our text that whenever God speaks something it has to come to pass Genesis chapter 1 verses 3 through 5 let's turn the service to Bible study uh, and let's look at it it says then God said let there be light and there was light and god saw that the light was good that he separated the light from the darkness god called the light day and the darkness night and evening passed and morning came marking the first day marking which day first day which day first day, first day. that's what your bible says Amen. okay day 1 he says let there be light the bible confirms there is light the light is so good he verbally retweets himself and says Shh, i am good <laughs> evening passed morning came marking the first day first day okay let's look at genesis chapter 1 uh, verses 16 through 19 genesis 1 16 through 19 it says god made two great lights the larger one to govern the day that's the sun and the smaller one to govern the night that's the moon he also made the stars God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. An evening passed, and morning came, marking the... Which day? Fourth day. Fourth day. Huh. Day one, he says, let there be light. And the Bible confirms there is light. So much light, he looks at it and says, I am good. Evening past, morning came marking the first day. We just read, he doesn't create the sun, the moon, or the stars until day four. (laughs) Day one, he says, let there be light. And there is light. But the sun, the moon, and the stars, which by the way are light giving entities, They don't make a cameo appearance until day four. Things that make you go, hmm. Day one, he says, the light, and there was. Sun, moon, and stars don't show up till day four. So you have to ask yourself as a thinking individual, what in the world is shining for three days? Oh, come on. I got to issue a warrant for your intelligent arrest right about now. (laughs) If day one, he says there's light and there is light, but the sun, the moon, and the stars don't show up till day four. That means for three creative days, light is shining with no sun, no moon, no stars, just the word of God. That is the power that is in the word of God. His word is so powerful. When he speaks something, it must come to pass. He said, I'm going to say, let there be light, and light is going to show up. I don't have to give you a sun, moon, or stars until day four. But my word is so powerful. When I speak something into existence, it must come to pass. That is the power in the word of God. What an awesome God that we serve. He could just say, let there be light and light shows up, responding to his word. And then day four, he goes, oh yeah, I guess I should put a sun, moon, stars up there. <laughs> you have to ask yourself an even deeper question. God, if your word is so powerful that you could say, let there be light and light shows up, then why create the sun, the moon, and the stars? Why not let light just be shining from nowhere, but just from your word? So much so that today we would just look up and say, "Whoo, the word is bright today. <laughs> so get that tomorrow. Um, <laughs> Why create the sun, the moon, and the stars? Well, clause B of verse 14 tells us. Let's look at it. Genesis uh, 1, 14. Clause B says, let them, the sun, the moon, and the stars, be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. The only reason I'm creating sun, moon, and stars is because they are going to be signs to mark the seasons, days, years. Seasons, days, years. Seasons, days, years. Seasons, days, years. Years, seasons, days, years, seasons, <laughs> days, years, seasons, days, years, seasons, days. Here, join in anytime. Seasons, days, years, seasons, days, years, seasons. Days, years. seasons Days. Okay, let's have some fun with this, okay? This this is 12 o'clock. Let's have fun. Let's just turn this whole service into March Madness, okay? Uh, This side right here, my left, your right, all the way down to the back. This side over here, you guys are going to be season. okay? When I point at you, you got to say season like you had your espresso and your coffee uh, this morning, okay? My two middle sections right here, you guys are going to be day, okay? When I point at you, you got to say day. And then right here, my right, your left, you guys, this whole section right here, you guys are going to be year, okay? Can we do this and have some fun in church? I'm in church all the time. I like to have fun uh, while I'm in church. So let's try it. It's a rough season over there. Come on. (laughs) Come on. I know you got more than that. Come on. Let's try it again. (laughs) (laughs) go. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> could that be a formula could that be a formula see you want to take your life to the next level well your life is only comprised of the don't die on me now, years. <laughs> Your life is only comprised of the years that you live. And I believe that this years. is going to be a phenomenal year for you. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. But it will only be a great year when you understand the value and the significance of every single yeah. day. And the way you understand the value and the significance of every. It is to say, God, I'm going to trust you no matter what of life that I'm in. Come on, somebody. It is a formula to take your life to the next level. Come on, somebody. That is the formula for next level living. It's the formula. I truly believe that 2014 is going to be your best year yet. I believe it. But it will only be a good year when you understand the value of every single day. Because every day that God gives you is a gift. Yes. It is a gift. What you do with that day. is your gift back to God. Really. The way you have strength for every single Day. to say, God, I'm going to trust you, yes. no matter what Season. of life, oh, Amen. Yeah, man. It's interesting to me that this is the last creative order God puts in place before He starts creating living things. This formula of seasons, days, years is the last thing He puts in order before He starts creating living things, birds. Bears, orangutans, you. Uh, <laughs> is it because every living thing must understand its season days. Every living thing must know it. And the way you have next level living is to say, God, I'm gonna trust you no matter what season I'm in. Because seasons come and go. But God's word shall stand forever. I said, seasons come and go, but God's word shall stand forever. God is looking for some believers who say, God, I'm not going to allow this season to dictate my faith, but my faith is going to dictate every single season. I'm going to hold on to your word. You know, the challenge of life is to just trust Him no matter the season. That's the art of living life well. Say, God, I trust you no matter the season. But isn't that hard to do? Because everybody hates the season that they're in. Have you noticed that? It's like a human disposition. We always long for another season instead of trusting God for the season that we're in. Young people want to be old. (laughs) So sick of you telling me what to do. I can't wait till I get out of this house. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I'm so sick of you always being the boss of me. I ain't 13. I'm 13 and a half. Longing to be old old people want to be young Come on somebody you don't see anybody saying I'm 50 and a half <laughs> longing for another season never got was preaching at a church on the west coast and I, I mean there was so much plastic surgery on this one lady which is fine if you want to do it do you boo-boo but she was laughing before I even told the joke her face was just... I thought to myself she's longing for a season. <laughs> It's not going to come back to you. Just age gracefully. But isn't it funny? We always want another season. Single people can't stand to be single. I'm so sick of being by myself every night by myself. Lord, what are you going to give me? A husband or a wife? I'm going to lose my mind if you don't give me a husband or a wife. Married people, every minute, every day, they are right there. If I could just get a moment to myself, God, I'm going to lose my mind if you don't just make him or her disappear just for one second. Everybody complains about the season they're in. Maybe the art of living life well. Say, God, I trust you no matter the season. You know, seasons are, are interesting, and I'm, I promise I'm done. I love getting to see all four of the seasons. You know, summer is a great season. Oh, I love summer. The sun is out, I get to work on my tan. I love summer. <laughs> summer is a great season, barbecuing, swimming. But I, I'm from Dallas, and y'all get a little bit up here in Oklahoma. When you're in that triple-digit heat in the summer, as amazing as summer is, I'm telling you, when that thermometer is just saying hell, and that's how hot it is. And, <laughs> and your car has been in that triple-digit heat inside of a garage, and when you open that door and touch that steering wheel, whoo, it will make you speak in a tongue that needs no interpretation. (laughs) The summer is great. It's a great season. Um, I I I love spring. Spring is a great season. We're in spring right now. All the flowers in spring are amazing. Some of them are so beautiful, hear me, they'll take your breath away. (laughs) Then again, it's not much breath to be taken away. Because now your allergies are flaring up and you're sneezing all over the place. But even with the sneezing, it's a great season. Winter, beautiful season. Oh, it's as if God has looked over the panoply of creation and leaned over the balcony of heaven and covered all of the earth with a white snuggie. Winter is a beautiful season. Looks good. Winter looks good. Looks good. It doesn't feel good, but it looks good. Fall, great season. To see the leaves in their kaleidoscope of colors, is if Picasso or Leonardo da Vinci has painted each one with intricate detail. Then again, those leaves don't look beautiful when they're falling into your yard. Come on, and you got to get out there and rake them and put them in a bag. They're not too beautiful then. What are you saying, Robert? I'm saying every season has its beauty and its burden and it is all contingent upon your perspective. And if we could keep our focus and our perspective on Jesus and say, God, I'm gonna hold on to your word that will never change, that will never be moved. I'm gonna stand on your promise that you gave me. I know that seasons come and go, but your Word shall stand forever. I'm not gonna allow this difficult season to dictate my faith. My faith is gonna speak to every season. I'm gonna trust you no matter the season. So God, that means if it's raining, I'll praise you with an umbrella. If it's cold, I'll praise you in my coat. is hot i praise you with a bathing suit but no matter the circumstance i will lift up my voice and give you glory and honor and praise because your word is everlasting your word shall stand forever and i'm gonna trust you come on somebody give him some praise in this place today if you're gonna trust him no matter the season my hope is built on nothing less Jesus' blood and His righteousness. Holy Spirit, I thank You for the power that is in Your Word. God, thank You for the formula for next level living. God, we're going to trust You no matter the season. Seasons come and go. Your Word shall stand forever. As we trust You in the middle of the season, You'll give us strength for every single day. And God, as we trust You every day, will look back over our life and see we had great years, not because everything was good and everything was perfect, but because you are good and you are perfect and our hope and our trust is in no one else but you. Love you, Jesus. Have your way today.